Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast for our second shot at this campaign is Elbrum, a male Asmar warlock with his pixie familiar silhouette starfire of an unnamed fey court. Then there's Morden, Morden Kell, a male elven rogue that wants to be a monk, and his brother Ventus, a male dark elf rogue with a coy smile. Asher Bloodfist, a male human barbarian that wants to kill the Black Sultan. And finally, we have Mick, who plays Calidus Magnus Lunior, a male elf-marked wizard who's got a box. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We're using the D&D 5e ruleset, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, welcome to the show. In this episode, the party helped a couple of Bastet priestesses capture a renegade temple cat that has been acting oddly. Why has Calidus's spellworks suddenly started blanketing their surroundings in hues of indigo light? And is Elbrum really pensive? Why? Will the party badmouth other businesses on behalf of their sponsor? What is the newly discovered thread that takes the party back to Hakan's home? Is it time for more B&D action with our two rogues? Mentis, come on. We need to return and report to the others. Ooh, what's that? Shh, Morden, you're right. Let's go. Oh shit, I just broke my lockpick. Mentis, I'm stuck in a window. Help! Can these rogues reconnoitre and report their findings? Hakan has four cobalt slaves. Paint cans start to fly. Are their names really Daryl, 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 and Daryl? What happens when an elemental can't hit the side of a barn? Akan Al Karim, Zmir Nil Mo Chatur. You're not just a camel dealer, are you? So sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Okay, once again, I'm here with Mick, and we are reviewing the last session from last night. And. Another fairly successful adventure this time around. The guys were they they were taking starting up from where we left off, which was just post battle. Like the session before went on longer than normal, a half hour longer than normal. So by by the end of that previous session, people were needing to leave quick. So we ended that session with the guys being in the temple uh, plaza. They rescued the cat, and after they rescued the cat. A conversation was needed to have. So we picked up with the temple priests. So how did that go, Mick? That went well. We did twig at this point in time that there was a connection between uh, Rahid running through the through the town and the cats. We also discovered a few things that we didn't know by a bit of accidental magic. I, I think that the discovery of Rahid and the relationship with the cat. I thought that went really well. That was a, actually a, a big surprise on my part when that question was asked 
of, oh, have you, did you guys see Rahid? And then you described it. And I was just like, this is a perfect opportunity to throw in. Yes. And after that is when everything went kind of awry with this temple cat. And that led to a lot of good questions from all the players. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. So that went well. And then of course, um, Calidus, he needed to decide to, he want he, after the temple cat was caught and Morden, the rogue wood elf was holding it and he'd, managed to successfully capture this this temple cat, which is not like an ordinary cat. It's much larger than your most your domestic cats, probably double the size of a domestic cat. And he managed to find himself a chook that he was being in a cart. And the, the owner of it didn't want to give it up until, you know, he managed to convince her. He had a good persuasion check and he paid her some cash. So he took the chook, cut its throat, Waved it around in front of the cat to get the cat distracted. And it was good enough that he managed to capture the cat. So he's got the cat in hand. And Calidus thinks, okay, now's the time to try doing a detect magic spell. And then what happened? Well, at this point in time, I had a black stone in my pocket. And I had no idea what it did. And so I flung off the detect magic. And unlike a normal detect magic spell where you just get a few bits and pieces... I got everything. I got the magic shop next door. I got everything that was in everybody's backpack. I got magic detection across all of the people that were standing around looking. And so that was a bit of an eye-opener. So we later on, then we went into the magic shop that we found and I asked them what on earth was going on. Yeah, because when you cast the spell, one of the other players noticed that your pocket was glowing. So... From your point of view, you cast the spell, and so everything has a residual glow or hue that tells you that it's magical. For, from, from everybody else's point of view, they see nothing. But when you cause this spell to go off, everybody's seeing this sphere pulse out of you, and it had an indigo color. And then after that, they saw nothing, except one of the players saw that your pocket was glowing. And that pointed to the fact that the stone inside your pocket was somehow tied. And that's why you guys went to the magic shop because you wanted to try to figure out what the heck was going on here. What the stone was doing and, and yeah, what it was. And that's when you met valuable. Imroth, who had such an amazing <laughs> southern U.S. accent. Yes. Uh, I guess that's part of the game, isn't it? The, the accents do tend to be quite funny. It was it was interesting. You said, she no, she did start out being Indian and then, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly rolled into... Yeah, the Southern American accent, which was good. It was, it was, a, I tell, it was a challenge because you know, with the other players being American, and I said, okay, I'm going to try to do an American accent, and of course, it's got to be the Southern drawl. And they all laugh at how, that stereotype of how America. If you're going to do American, it has to have a Southern drawl. And yeah, that's right. I I started out, and it, it certainly didn't sound American. But I think I got it by the end. Oh yeah, you nailed it. I think you nailed it. You 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 did something, and then I said something, and then. You were right on top of it, so that was good. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's funny how that is too, because like I find sometimes when I'm doing an accent, I need to say a phrase or something like that off mic in order to try to kickstart the accent, right? And I can't just immediately go into the accent. I need something to kind of yeah, like the whet your appetite, I guess. And it does add a huge lift to the game when the players and the and the DM are all. Um, doing these crazy accents, and I couldn't, I couldn't drop it after that. <laughs> All the other characters tended to have a slight southern drawl after that. I was like, "Crap, stop that!" 
but yeah, it was good. It was good. So you guys went into the magic shop to talk to this lady and it was a potion shop. It was. Picked up a few potions so that we wouldn't die. A few healing potions. Yeah. Um, and so she, she went to, you guys, you tried to get her to identify and she wanted to charge you an obscene rate. She did. But of course, once again, the, the drow was sparked enough of an interest that. that and she, we have, and we have cashed in on that. This is the the second time or third time that the drow walks in, has contact with anyone yeah. and they are just besotted by his looks. And, uh, it was, it was, and, and that works really, really well. Except the funny thing is you guys went to another potion shop and, and you guys didn't hear this because it was oh, in the wow. private channel. But when I was, when Ventus was talking to the, this Noel shop owner, she was just like, Oh God, like refugees, the paperwork behind you guys. Cause it's just in order for you guys as refugees to get preferred pricing, they have to do paperwork that they submit back to the city. And she's just like, Oh man, you know, I don't want to deal with this. So that was funny. I was trying to play up on that. And you guys didn't catch that and invent this when he came back and we all rejoined the main audio channel. He didn't, I thought that was just a little bit of fun. On my it was part. A, while you were gone during that conversation, of course, our other, our other uh, rogue elf, uh, was telling us how dodgy Ventus was and that he can't be trusted and that he will steal the, the pennies off your dead grandmother's eyes. So hang on tightly to everything that you own. It may not be there in the morning. But I guess that, you know, kind of falls into a strange drow stereotype where, where you know, once again, the drow. But anyways, yeah, it was interesting. And going back to that first potion shop, you guys wanted to try and you dropped this stone down and... The drow Ventus uh, managed to get a, a decent price, and she was going to identify it for you guys. And so she picks it up and pulls out a scroll to identify. And, and uh, this time, once again, when she casts the spell, all of a sudden, everything in the shop that was not meant to be identified was identified, and everything you guys—it was inside your backpack—suddenly got identified. And again, the the stone started glowing with the indigo light again, and and. She, and she didn't know what it was. She couldn't identify that stone. So clearly it's some kind of amplification stone, although it does have a few drawbacks, some of which came later. Yeah, you guys tried to experiment. And I thought that was great too, that you guys wanted to experiment. I was just like, well, that was good. Yes, <laughs> and what yes. you guys weren't, weren't aware of was that I was rolling to see how <laughs> things went. And uh, man, you guys had quite a few successes on those rolls. So you cast Mage Hand and... Once again, there was an amplification type effect. No, I didn't. No, I didn't get to cast my hand. I was going to pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Yes, and then you wanted to do something uh, that's else. Right. I wanted but... to cast. I cast my hand. That's right. I cast my hand on something small to see if it would work and what would happen, and it worked fine. Yep. Different coloured light to normal, um, and then I thought I would try my hand on Elbrum, who was our. Except Elbrum oh, had been. Elbrum had been very carefully watching what yeah. was going on and. As he was watching, he he learned something, and he's like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a a negative side to this. Let's well. let's not test the waters here." Yeah. And it was going to be on Asher, who was our our nice barbarian, was about to get picked up and see if we could carry him around. But yeah. we didn't we didn't follow through on that test. It was deemed a bit too dangerous. And then I, I I did get a kick though. At one point later on in the day, you did try casting, and you cast sleep, and this time there was a negative effect. And instead of doing it what was. you expected, you and the, and the... Everybody close to me suddenly went to sleep. Yep, 
Yeah, it didn't yes. work as planned. Didn't land on the right spot. But yeah, it was it, it was good. All right, so you guys, she identified it, and uh, then you, at the end, you guys ended up buying some potions from her. Yes. And uh, after that, you guys uh, once again resumed the hunt for Rahid, and you guys had picked up a few more clues, and there was there was some debate of should we go to the pit or should we go back to where uh, Nasur lost him in the the previous day and so you guys decided that you'd go to the northern island and we were picking up on the cat thing so we, we figured out that where the where the cats were going that's where Rahid yeah it was, was going this this was a good time because when you guys went to that island i was like okay this is elbrum said look i you guys do that i'm going to sit on the bench and take a short rest to you know recover myself and you guys went out and we just did a bunch of gossip checks and I had fun with some of that because some of you guys were rolling ones and you know people wouldn't <laughs> talk to you at all and yes. giving you a little bit of extra information. And I thought this was a perfect time to, when you're doing the gossip, to give you other potential plot hooks that could lead somewhere. And so I threw some of those in there as well and, and still threw some at you in order to get you to continue trying to, to, to follow or twig on what's going on. And by that point, you guys were all very clearly twigging on to the fact that wherever Rahid was, the cats were acting strange. Yeah. And so at that point, you guys did enough and you were fairly certain. So you were off to be, you got enough rumors. And e even at the temple, like after rescuing the temple cat, people kept coming up to talk about how cats were strange. And, and uh, the majority were all saying, you know, you got to go to the wharf district because that's where they're acting the strangest. And so by the point after leaving the temple, going to that Northern Island, you guys were pretty much set on, okay, well, we need to get down here. I think there was some point again saying, let's go to the pit. And I mean, I didn't necessarily have an encounter for the pit ready, but I was just like, you know what? It would have been fun too. Yeah, I, I think that the, the one thing that we have been able to do all the way through this is to keep going with where we started. The, the, the first challenge was go find the gym. It was the first thing that we've signed up for. And I think that, the again, the pit lost out to Rahid who had the gem. And so we didn't do what other groups have done, which is run around in circles, chasing our tails on every little thing that comes down the line. We've, we've stuck to the story. And where we are now in the story, um, everything is coming together. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was fun. So you followed the cats and the cats led you back to Hakan's house. Yeah. And I thought it was really fun listening to you guys <sighs> plan how you're gonna get into this house. The, the, the rogue elves excelled in, in what would have been one of the funniest moments throughout this whole, this whole exercise. Staying in character, I said that the, I, I kept saying, you know, they, they were saying, we are going to go around the back, we're going to break in, we're going to steal everything we can find lying down, kill everybody, that'll be fantastic. And of course, I'm out the front with my three big buddies saying, no, don't do that. Go have a look and report. What the <laughs> what the elves did for the next fifteen minutes was hilariously funny, as one of them tried to keep the other one on the straight and narrow. Our drow was going to break in and steal whatever he could find, and his cousin was saying, "No, no, we have to go back. We have to go back. We have to go back." They eventually. They both kind of, it was really funny because they both but got, they were tempted. They, they, were got, so they tempted. got so excited about what they were doing and, and successes and stuff. And, you know, I, I almost caught them up. You know, I had them, one guy yes. failed a stealth and, you know, okay, well, get a dexterity save in there and see if his friend is able to catch it in time. And 
So, I mean, the, the, all in all, the roles were, were fairly good that they got in unseen. But it was funny because sometimes Morden would tell Ventus, okay, let's just report. And then Morden would get like super excited and Ventus was like, okay, let's go back and report. Because <laughs> they, 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 it was just what they were doing excited them so much of what they were trying to accomplish in character that, you know, they kept forgetting what the focus was. And yes. you know, Calidus was getting a little bit impatient. Has it been three minutes yet? Has it been three minutes yet? I'm through the front door. Yeah, so they, they had three minutes to go and find out what was going on. And they did, they did a very entertaining and excellent job. And then they came back and told us what they saw. And at that, at, point, at that point, it was, it was funny too, because when you guys arrived at the house, there was two cat folk people that were hidden around the corner that you guys saw right away. And then when they came back, they're like starting to talk. And then I, for me, I, was, I played up the NPCs again. I was like, what? You heard our mistress is in there? What? And they're like, wait, wait. No, no, we're doing this in a private conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, was good. I thought that's good because I was just like, very often now you guys are like, let's go over here and talk. Yeah, we are, we are <laughs> getting the hang of that. We are really locking into the idea of private conversations as opposed to public conversations. And that's working out quite well. It's not as awkward as you, you think well, it would be. And, I, I and, think, and I think DM handles it well yeah. because we do say, oh, we're just going to have a quiet chat and then... Every time we come back from the quiet chat, we get this sarcastic comment from the DM like, you know, oh, you sure you figured it out now? Yeah. You yeah. know what you want to do, do you? Yeah. It's okay. I've just been shopping, bought a cup of tea and taken a trip to India and come back again. <laughs> Not that it took a long time or anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it, I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, you just got to sit there and think, well, how are the NPCs handling this? And they'd be like looking at each other going, all right, fine. You want to go have a private shop? Whatever. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, the, the it's our it's our it's our mistress in this in there, not yours. What makes you think you could do better? But you know, it, it's it's funny for me though because I'm I'm really trying hard to retain. Okay, what's these guys' motivation? What are they going to do? Like, are they going to listen to you guys or what? The cat folk did really well too because the cat folk, being the the security detail, I guess, yeah, and an inexperienced detail, came yeah. across as being. Exactly that. They didn't come across as being too smart. They weren't going to lead the way. Their job was to stop anything happening and to follow orders from their mistress. They did seem confused when we tried to tell them what to do. They seemed unsure, but they actually dropped into line because I think they figured out this was the best thing to do. Yeah, and I, I had, um, uh, like, Morden was more or less moving the cat folks around because I turned them into allies. And once they became allies, you guys could move them around on screen as like. And so mm. I just then, you know, played up where Morden wanted them to go. Yes. And then just, you know, all right, yeah, we're following directions, you know. And then as soon as they got close to their mistress, it was hell or high water. Get yeah, to like, her and, that's right. So, yeah, that worked out well. As far, as far as allies, that, that was interesting. And, they, and, and so the two rogues went round the back with the two cat folk. Yeah. And I they, was so interested to see, though, because was... inside there, Hakan was there, and there was all kinds of cats everywhere. And there was even a big panther there and a cheetah. And I was so interested to see, are they going to attack the big cats? Are they going to attack the big cats? And you guys didn't do it. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, all right. I think that, uh, well, again, I, I, I think that our the members of our party are, have, are capable of looking first to see what's going on. And figuring out is there going to be an issue, well, and prepared to take the first. I hit. think, and to, I have to admit, I think that the fantasy ground interface <clears throat> does well in helping the DM in those scenarios because you can put when you put tokens on the map, they can be green for allies, 
yellow for neutral or red for hostile. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I put, you know, almost always everything is neutral until you guys do something. And I, then from there, they either become hostile or not. Yeah. And I, I think that if I had not done that, like if you don't choose one of those three and you, you leave it as null, not one of those three, then what ends up happening is when you add them to the map, they get added as hostile. So I, 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 I wanted at least to be, if you guys ever had that encounter, I wanted to be sure that when you came in and started seeing things, everything had to show up as neutral until you guys had your actions. And again, it, it comes back to the, with, the, with the big cats that were in there and the water elemental and the four Daryls running around and Hakan, yep. we were outnumbered. Totally. So, so this was a case of you know, understanding that you, you can't win yeah. You don't have to fight. Yeah. And it was Daryl, it was one of the Daryls that went off first. No, it was a Khan that gave the order. Yep. Uh, and that's when it all, it all started to. Yeah. So, to and, and, and then from the fantasy ground interface point of view, what in you guys, you guys had said something <clears throat> and you guys weren't aware, but what you said, everything was neutral up until the point of what you guys said. And I don't know if you remember what you guys said. But this is one of those parts where I, I messed up and then all of a sudden Hakan was hostile on the map. And I didn't want you guys to see that, but I for I put the visibility of him wrong. And so all of a sudden you could see Hakan moving around. I was like, ah, crap. Because someone was just like, oh, I can see Hakan over there. I was like, ah, crap. So yes. well, you weren't meant to see that. But the, the, the point was, was for me was you guys said something when you're trying to communicate to Hakan when you guys were at the front door. And for that, that sparked everything. Yeah, we, said that started to we, we, we said that we had Rahid. Oh, you remember that? I remember okay. that. Yeah, we said that we had Rahid, and and it was at at that point in time. I think what you said was everything's gone terribly silent. Yeah, and it, and that was the giveaway to me to to know. Okay, he's got Rahid because well, yeah, you guys. His, his response he, would have been completely different. I said Otherwise, you guys. You started the conversation. <clears throat> you didn't say. We, we, we found Rahid at that point. You started the conversation and then, and he was like being cordial with you at the beginning. And you guys are like, Oh, can we come in? And he was like, No, I don't want you to come in. Go away. Come back later. And that's when you guys were like, Well, we found Rahid. And then when you said that, he's just like, Okay, no, you didn't find Rahid. (laughs) It's obvious that he's in your house somewhere. So all of a sudden everything went quiet and. And what was supposed to be happening behind screen that you couldn't see was uh, he started running in the house yes. for somewhere. And, uh, and then, of course, with that quietness, you guys decided to break in. Yes. So you tried to burst through the front door. And uh, who tried? Or was it well, Elbrum that tried? The, so the, the warlock tried to break through. That didn't go successfully. No, that wasn't too successful. And then and Asher the Barbarian came to, to try to break through. And, and that was easy. Yeah, he managed to get through and burst and, through the doors. And at the same time, our two rogues are out the back. Yeah, and, and still everything <laughs> was neutral. Nothing was going on. The only hostile person at that point was Akan who was running through the house. Everybody else is like, the Daryls are sitting in their hammocks like normal. And the door comes bursting through and they're like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and you guys are like, you know, they're still neutral. Because, they. I mean, a couple of those Daryls remembered who you guys were. And, and yes. were like, hello. And then it wasn't until Hakan was back up on the upper balconies and he started shouting, you Kill fools, them. <laughs> get rid of them. That's, that's when and that's when it started them. to unravel. Yeah. I must say that the, the, the highlight of, of, of that, the early part of that encounter was that 
one of our the rogues of course knew that there were a couple of large cats they'd already figured out there were a couple of large cats in the courtyard yeah. and that one of them went into the kitchen and gathered up a huge amount of meat oh that was funny <laughs> and that and and it was some time before the rogue the meat and the cats came together in the meantime we're battling away merrily when he walked i thought that was one of the again another hilarious moment a rogue walks through the door carrying an armful of meat and it's like what are you doing? Yeah, and he, he, he hucks the meat at the cat. And I have to admit, he, he thought in his mind, I could just see him thinking, this is going to be brilliant. And he doesn't, he's not even paying attention to the fact that the cats aren't doing anything. But and he just, wouldn't, but in his position, when, when, when you, that's played, true. As he played it, he played it brilliantly because yeah. he wouldn't have known that as far as he knew. He so grew. teammates are out there yeah. getting dissembled by the cats and, and that's, he's that's gathering right. up the meat in the kitchen that's right. as fast as he can. Because both him and Ventus, they, could hear that there were some big cats on the other side of the door. So perception-wise, they knew that there were some cats. So you're right. From their point of view, they thought the cats were attacking. Yeah. So he comes out there with all this meat and throws it at the cats. And, you know, the cats, I mean, Hakan, they, if, they, if, they, if they would have remembered your previous visit to Hakan's take place, that table where he was sitting at was just loaded down with meat. Yes. And so the cats were really content. They, they had, they didn't give a crap about extra food being thrown at them. They were, they were sated and they were just sitting there licking themselves. So yeah, I had fun with that bit. Had fun with the two Daryls. There were four Daryls. We now find out that they're actually there four Daryls. Four yeah. We've killed one of the Daryls. You ended up killing um, three. We, killed, we ended up killing three of them. But after we killed the first one, the two Daryls that were upstairs on the balcony attacked us with paint cans. Now, can you please explain to me? How did a paint can become a weapon? What were you thinking? Well, so I knew that one of the rooms was up on the top. One of the rooms had a bunch of art supplies. And the cobalt loved messing around with the art supplies. <laughs> so the cans of paint were readily available. And they just they, they liked throwing paint around. So they threw the paint at you guys instead of using their slings. So, yeah, the two cobalts that were up on top, they had the paint cans and they started hucking and one got one successfully hit Elbrum and coated his face in, in some and surprise like, oh, paint. and surprise surprise how many dms would have thought to have a role for the paint color yeah that was funny that was funny because everybody's like blue 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 and i was like oh wait a minute it says here that there's a bunch of different paint colors roll for the paint color <laughs> so it was magnolia which is not really yeah. a, a very good i don't fighting even, color is i have no idea is that like purple or something oh, like I that think, i thought Pink? it was a yellowy color who knows don't know so, yes, and that went well. Um, we did kill off two of the Daryls, and there's only one left, which we hope to gather up next week. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it would, be, it would be interesting to see how next week. Well, and the funny out. thing is, is so this, the, the water elemental comes, and one Daryl's unconscious, and this water elemental ticked because he's got to leave the water to fight. And so there's a, a, an unconscious Daryl there, and he's just like, screw it. And he just picks up the Daryl, and basically, that's it. He kills the Daryl. <laughs> He steps in front of you guys, and now he's ready to fight. And he misses. He goes for the the the, the warlock guy because he's the skinny guy there, and he completely misses. And then I was thinking logically, he's just like, "All right, he's angry. He didn't hit." I was just like, "I can't believe I was rolling so pathetic." And then he finally uh, the the barbarian's right there, so he strikes at the barbarian next and smashes him with a critical hit. And I was like, "Oh boy, the barbarian is dead." And he he's rolling uh, a d10, so this would have been two d10. And I was just like, yeah, I think the barbarian's dead here. I, the critical was a freaking one. 
Why not? So he took like just... two damage plus a strength mod. So he took four damage of a possible uh, 24. And I was just like, crap. And his hit, <laughs> and his hit points were what? Well, and the thing is, is I mean, I, I'm not <laughs> there to try. I, like, I thought that, okay, if the he's a, an elemental and he's tough. So if one of you guys died, I figured you guys would heal that person up and, and it'd yeah. still be okay. I, I didn't think that you guys would die in this battle, but I didn't think that you guys would dominate the crap out of that battle. I so, didn't think that we did. I, I, my recollection of it, this is the interesting, is the recollection of the player and the recollection of the DM, because yeah. I didn't think that we dominated that battle. I think yeah, that it went on for a long time. Yeah, it was. It did take a while. That's right. And the water elemental just kept on hanging in there, and we weren't doing damage. There was not a lot of damage being done. Well, and behind the scenes, you, again, you used your the the amplification of the Vril Stone. So once again, you no, used no, it. Didn't. The first time when you cast Ray of Frost, yes, the, the, and the effect of that was actually larger than what you guys could, what would have been normal. So it did it help. So your first blast basically took that right. elemental down by half. Right. And you weren't aware of it because, I mean, it's it's a water elemental. You really couldn't see other than the fact that it was now fairly frozen. So uh, it, right. it did it, have a yeah, big effect. One, yeah. And so, you, I mean, you've used the real stone now uh, four or five times and it was all successful. And then finally, you went yes. to use it for the, the next time to cast your sleep. And I finally rolled what I needed to roll. Because <laughs> I just was like, I wanted, I wanted to, you know, you know see it. Actually, a negative and, and, and what I did like about was that this was the first time that we actually saw the roll, and it was a 77. So mm -hmm. I now know that if I ever get a 77 again, I'm in trouble. And I didn't really think that you guys yeah, would you see would. those rolls, but I well, guess I, that's I, right. I, I, I only saw one of them, so I think you might have rolled it. No, what I, I realize now is that I do allow you guys to see rolls. Like, there's a configuration setting in Fantasy Grounds to do that, and I forget why I did it, but I as well, if I want something to be hidden... I have to roll it inside the uh, the, tower. the tower, but that you guys can see it because I, I I think I rolled it four times last night, and I don't know if you guys were paying attention to it or not. I think that we I think I think we pay attention in terms of seeing you do the roll, but we don't necessarily know what it's for. Mm. So in in this case, I mean again, it's the thing if you you look at it, it's, it's seventy seven. So a, a high number like that means it's probably a percentage thing, and if it's going to be banded out over the one hundred, my guess is that. There will be one at which point I will explode in a puff of blue smoke when I roll a hundred, or when you roll a hundred, and there'll be others in between. Yeah, it's it's so amusing what's going on there. So anyway, yes, that that it did explode in my face, and I do like the fact that the rogue that was standing next to me, noticing that I was fast asleep, kicked me in the head to wake me up. I thought that was a, yeah. a nice move. As he went to go and do battle, he with, decides with, to step on your head to yeah. wake you up. So no, no delicacy in my team whatsoever. How do you do a constitution save to see yes. that work? But yeah, the um, and this again was one of those situations. I looked at, I remember looking at the clock because I knew that we needed to end at yes. at one thirty. Uh, that was our end time, and it was twelve o'clock. So I was like, oh yeah, this this is good. no problem having this encounter, and it, it did take quite a bit of time. Although it did it take didn't quite a bit seem of time. Like it took a long time. Because, yeah, well, that's right. Because at some point it was Elbrum's turn and he wasn't there. And that, that's when I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's almost two. I was like, wow, this just flew by. Yes. So th this particular encounter took pretty close to two hours. Yep. 
but it was definitely worth it. There are a few things that need to be cleaned up now that we've got to the end of it. There are the out-of-game moves, which I'm about to make an out-of-game move, and that is the move where I run out of the room that I'm currently in, back to the balcony, and pick up the real stone that I left sitting on the balcony. Until you rang the doorbell this morning, and I thought, I'll, I'll just drop that one in now. That was Because if you remember that, you are not going to let me get away with it. I, in my own okay. notes, I, I, I do admit, like in my own notes, what I, I do is when you guys drop stuff, I mark it down. Oh, they no. drop this stuff. So, you know, as this, you know, did they so remember you know to pick it there. up? I, well, I know that you guys have dropped it. I don't remember where you guys dropped it. That's up to you guys to remember where you yeah, dropped it. But I'm not holding it. Yes. But, but I, anyway, I thought it was funny because you were about to do, you did the sleep spell and it had a negative effect on you. And then you were about to cast Ray of Frost. You're like, I put the real stone back in my pocket. And I was just like, okay, Kaladesh, roll yes, a history check. Because yes. I wanted to see, because I, I had to, I, I, I thought it was funny because I, 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 and you did roll really well. And I was like, you recall that earlier that morning when you cast the Detect Magic spell, the real stone was in your pocket. And you're like, oh, crap, I better drop this thing. That's right. <laughs> because in the first time that I used it against the Water Elemental, I said I took it out, I kissed the stone. Yep. And then and then cast the the spell because kissing the stone would actually have an effect. Well, I don't know. That was that was merely <laughs> decorative. That was that was part of the ambiance that we were generating yeah. at that particular yeah. stage. It was funny, but anyway. So we will now take it as as given that I did actually run back, or I will actually run back in case I forget. Yeah, and pick up the real stone. I did think of a few ways that I could possibly get it. I thought I could send Daryl to go and get it this morning. I thought I'll just send Daryl back. I could see that ending in hilarity. As well, and I think the other team members probably wouldn't look kindly upon the sight of Daryl hurtling down the road yeah, with well, that, you know, a magic stone in it. And here's, in here's something that I'm curious about because, like, I'm sitting there, like, I am playing these NPCs, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is the last Daryl. He's just watched his three siblings getting killed. Yes. So what's he thinking and feeling? I was just like, yeah, he he doesn't want to fight anymore. He's not going to fight until he, you know, he's dead too. He's like, my brothers are all gone. I give up. But is he, it is, I mean, and we look at this going forward. Is this Daryl going to want to come and be on our side? Because I don't think that he would. We killed his brothers. So there is a, a wonderful scenario unfolding here, and that is yeah. that we've got Hakan. He's got one Daryl left. We we can't really wipe out Hakan. Yeah, he's Hakan the big too. camel trader, so and he, we need him on our side. And you guys came in there, and all of a sudden, so he walks into the room, and inside the room is Mistress Henna and Munia. Both are sitting inside this room, and Hakan, for whatever reason, he ran up to that room when you guys guys came in. And so he was in there, and he is standing overside Mistress Henna. And all of a sudden, there's like five player characters that all show up at the same time inside mm -hmm. the room, and he's just like, okay, I give up. I surrender. Yeah. <laughs> you guys didn't even get a chance to hit him. And I, I have to wonder, because... Like, I remember Morgan was like, yeah, I like, I like doing the murder hobo stuff every once in a while. And I was sitting there thinking, are they going to be disappointed? But I, I knew that, you know, Hakan, from his point of view, if he's, if he loses the advantage, he's done. He's, he's not, if but, he can get away, he gets away. When but, you think about that, if you needed to pick a place to end, end an episode, that's exactly the right one, isn't it? Because now you guys, you guys, we will get to think about what could possibly happen. Yeah. And so when we appear next week, it will be, what do we do? We have this ethical issue that we're currently, we, we seem to be very good on the ethics. We, we make a bargain, we stick to it. 
Well, in fact, that, that was funny because, yes, at the second potion shop, yes. the female Knoll owner says to Ventus, look, I will give you a deal. Because, I mean, I know you're a refugee and I'm required to do this, but I will give you a deal if you advertise for me. But you have to badmouth Ruas' yes. alchemy across the way is my competitor because I want, you know, I'll bring me business and, and badmouth her business. And so he's like, just a second. So he steps out and goes and, and starts talking yes. to you guys. And I, I thought that was great that you guys were like. It's interesting too that, again, you, you look at the, the rogues, have no qualms about, yeah, we can do that. We'll take the money. And and I'm standing there running the ethical line down this mob saying, hang on, guys. You know, well, Elbrum is too. El 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 and, and he does it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You and, and Elbrum are both, have both been pretty much on the same page on a lot of this. You're like. Yeah, no, no, we're not going to bad mouth this other business. And so, and, and and if you think of what could possibly happen, we have made a deal to recover the stone and give it to Henna. We've also agreed that we'll steal it back from Henna later on and give it to Hakan. And right now we are standing in a room, we've seen Hakan, he's tied up Henna, and what do we do when we get the stone? And well, I mean, and, what, and, and what do you guys know about that stone so far? Like, what have you guys learned? We know that it influences the cats. That's and, what we know. And we don't know how. We know that they follow it. Do you guys know, know where they... it came from? No. You see, this is the other thing. It, as far as we know, but we've got two stories. <clears throat> Mr. Henna had it and Rahid stole it from her. And the other one is Rahid found it in the pit. Yeah. So we don't know which one of those stories is true. I've, I have I, I've been building different scenarios to try and extract the truth from these two people because that's the other issue. We don't know which one of them is telling us the yep. truth. And also, if we are going to follow the ethical line, regardless of who's telling us the truth, I actually am at a point now saying we don't need the money from this one. We need to find a very clever way to get out of both of the deals. And a really simple one of those is to have Mistress Henna get the stone and not us because if she gets the stone and we don't give it to her, we haven't broken the deal. Well, and by the same token, if Hakan has the stone, then he had the stone and he lost it. So why would we go and get it back from you? So we can, I think we can probably come out of this not smelling too bad, being almost ethical. And I suspect that we may this, not get any money for it, but at the end of the day, and it's funny we you might say have that Hakan too. and Henna both on our sides if they don't kill each other. And I think that's funny that you say that about taking that ethical road because at one point, you guys were like, okay, we need to sell this alchemist book. Now, the first place, they're like, no, I don't buy stuff. If you've got potions, come talk to me. I'll buy potions from you. Because you tried, I think yeah. Elbrum tried to sell some flasks. Yes. And then you're like, oh, no, I should try selling this alchemist book. And, of course, where did you guys get that alchemist book? We got it from Festering Heath's uh, place. Right. So the second place you go to try to take it, and, and Ventus takes it in there, and he's like, so I got this book. You want to buy it? And the, the vendor's just like, I see this, this looks like a Noel book. So where'd you get it from? And he's like, oh. he didn't answer. He comes back out and he's just like. I didn't hear that conversation. Well, he comes out and he's like, she wants to know where I got it from. I didn't tell her. And then you guys were like, yeah, don't tell her. <laughs> no. <laughs> Morden, Morden was the one who's like, yeah, you better not tell her. Yes. And we did have that ethical debate about having, yes. having trashed Heath's place completely. Because you took everything we that was lootable. and nailed down a lot. <laughs> Well, he was dead, so we figured that he's dead, we'll take the lot. And someone did suggest that we should perhaps tell the police. Yeah. Um, and the answer to that one is no, we'll just let that one go through to the keeper. Yeah. So I think that we have now, 
we, we, Why we, would we you are guys ethical dis- in, to the extent that we don't tend to double cross the living, but we also are unethical in terms of we don't necessarily tell everybody what's going on either. Was, was there any other reason why you guys, from your point of view, why you didn't want to tell the police about what happened at Festering Hat? We need to, well, there's a dead body there. We don't have a story and we've cleaned the place out. Yeah. Our main reason is that we've cleaned the place out. If we'd left it intact, we could have told the police. And, and that would have then been the police would have come, had a look, done their thing. They could have asked us why we were there and we would have said we're still chasing down Rahid. Yeah. He was dead when we got here. Yeah. And that, and I think we, we, we would be okay with doing that. The situation, the, the other one too is that where we are now is a perfect time to call the police in. Again, we've <clears throat> chasing Rahid. We suspect because we haven't been in the cellar that Rahid's in the cellar. Hannah has been tied up. So she has been held against her will by Hakan. Yep. So we have rescued the fair maiden. We could call the police in and say, look, this is where we are now. And it's possible that the police will, by doing that action, we will be able to absolve ourselves of whatever the interaction between these two um, is going on and, and get away with it. I'm currently leaning towards the charm person spell to play that against Hakan to find out what the truth is about mm. what's going on and so you will tell me everything that you know about everything that there is. So I get the story between him. We don't know why the two of them hate each other. Or we actually, we don't even know if, if Henna hates Hakan. We do know that Hakan hates Henna. So we don't know the story behind that. And it could be that I just spend a couple of days there and run a charm spell against each one of them to see what's going on to extract the truth. Yeah. And, and a funny thing is for me is this is one of those things like, I have no idea what you guys are going to do. And that's where it's so interesting is that as long as I know Hannah's motivations, as long as I know Hakan's motivations, as long as I know Rahid's motivations and and Munya, her motivations, I just react. And that's all I can do. And And, and I have just outlined half yeah. a dozen possibles that we can yeah. throw at you next week. Yeah, and there's no... I'm not going to I'm, I'm sit and there and try to prepare. No, I don't think you should either. I, I, think, I think they are best... The, the, the things that seem to work best when you come out of the blocks with the accent yeah. and uh, react to whatever the bizarre thing is that you yeah. do. Well, and, and the funny thing is, too, is like, I sit and think, what was I prepared to do, like... I, at the end of the previous session, I knew that you were casting Detect Magic and I knew that you had the, the Vril Stone and I knew that I had to get you guys somehow to be able to figure out clue in. So I knew that coming into the session yesterday that the temple priestess were going to talk about the strangeness of the cats. I knew that I was going to make your Detect Magic go awry. Everything else was just spur of the moment. Like that bit where... Elbrum, after his short rest, he sees a cat staring out of the water. That was pretty much spontaneous. And I, I did that for a very specific reason that I hope Elbrum picked up on. And it was just, you if know, he did pick up on it, he hasn't told us. No. He's still in the dinner. And, and, this, and this is one of those things where tying into backstories. And I have, I, I did think, you know, like Rahid motivation wise, like I know that you've played this before. So you've got an idea of who these characters are. But I've decided that, you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought a lot more this time around about who these people are and what they are. So I think that that your interactions with them, if you come in with preconceptions, you're going to be surprised. 
Yeah, and, I, look, and, and again, it's interesting that you bring up the fact that I've played this before. If the fun is the playing of the game, it's not the outcome. To me, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. And so... It, Which you, is interesting. You can actually turn off everything that, that's happened in the past and just go with whatever they throw at you. And, and this is interesting that you say that because, you know, I've played with trolls. And when you play with trolls, to me, it's really interesting. Like, I, I was playing Tomb of Horror with some trolls. And it became... Like, I don't know Tomb of Horrors. I've never been there. So I was playing it because I mean, the reality is... is I'm pretty much brand new back into D and played it when I was very, very young. I can only recall the fact that I had the bloody red box uh, when I first started yeah. out as a teenager. Other than that, I can't remember a bloody thing about what adventures I had and mm. attempted to do with my siblings. So the tomb of horrors, you know, I, everybody was talking about it. The, the tales of the autumn portal coming out and there's tomb of horrors in it. Oh, we got to do tomb of horrors. Okay, cool. Let's go do tomb of horrors. Now, I just walked into that blind, not knowing. All I knew is that it was a dungeon designed to kill players. Okay, cool. So just be extra careful. But playing with the trolls, it was very clear to me listening because the players would go this way. And sometimes some of the players, some of the things they said, you're like, oh, man, they're going that way because why? Like I sat, sat there. There was this one portal with this glowing misty thing. I spent like freaking two or three it was like three hour sessions at that damn portal trying to figure it out, getting nowhere. Yeah. And these other guys like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. And in some cases it, it, it became that you, you became aware that they were leaving and going to these different places because they actually knew the answer. They knew what <clears throat> to go. And I was just like, man, that, that's you not know, the point. I, well, I always thought that, you know, okay, can a person play the module with an open mind? And be in character. And I didn't think it was possible because my experience with the trolls was, no, they use their secret knowledge to their advantage. And so here is the challenge that I have been thinking about for the last week. And that is that we have played this particular scenario from an ethical point of view. We are, you know, the right, the nice people do the right thing. I want to take the same people, the same players and play it from the rogue point of view, the oh. unethical, deceitful point of view, and do exactly the same stuff again. You can shift it up. I want to want to see how it turns out because yeah. I, I feel that it will turn out completely differently. I think that we will become ostracised. The people well, will condemn and us. And that's you know, with, with the other group that fell apart. Be, I mean, to me, that was the road you guys were kind of going down. It was clear that the guys, they, were, they had the murder hobo attitude. They couldn't stay on course to try to figure something else. So they went from here to here to here. And very clearly, instead of conversing, they would get to a point where they're bored and then they would start killing people. So for me, if that would have continued, it would have gotten to the point where unintentionally you guys got a crappy, crappy reputation and then there would be NPC effects to and, that. And that is the exercise that I wanted yeah. to try. I actually think that the, the previous group weren't actually good role players, but these no. this, this current group are good role players. And to take them down the same path with that that um, that attitude, where our reputation isn't that good, yeah. and to see if it's possible to actually get to the end, one without dying, or just gather enough information as you go to see. If yeah, you and get then at there. what point? Because I, know, I don't think. What that, are the decisions you make? It, it is. I, I don't think we'd actually. I don't think we'd even get to the end. I don't think that we would ever catch Rahi 
because I don't think we'd ever get the information. Well, I guess, you know, and from what I've read, like playing a evil campaign is, is actually a challenge because, you know, are people approaching it from the chaotic evil point of view, the neutral evil point of view, or the lawful evil point of view? Because in essence, those, they, they do factor in. So, and it's important to understand that, like, do you play it from the point of view is just kill, 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 or is there rhyme and reason to it? Because, I mean, they change it up. Because if you are just kill, 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 can you even work with your other group, with yeah. the other people? You know, yeah. because you've really got to be considering who you play against each other. I don't know. The evil thing is an interesting concept. And I, I don't know as a DM. I understand. Well, I'm thinking of the unethical point of view. So we actually take the second deal that we were offered, which was to, you know, badmouth someone. And we take that deal that we can get. We... You know, the the thing about when Rahid offers us money to give him the stone and uh, Henna offers us money to give her the stone, we take the stone, we keep the stone, and we yeah. ambush both of them, take the money, and then sell it off to someone else. Yeah. Every encounter that we come across is met with aggression rather than a conversation. So if we walked into a Khan's yeah. house, well, yes, for example, the the scenario where the rogues met the, the entry into the Crimson Pool mm. in the, instead of that conversation taking place, you know, we steal something from it. Yeah. That kind of snow. You let the rogues run riot and steal whatever's not nailed down. Yeah. yeah. That sort of kind of thing. Uh, you know, it, 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 it would be interesting because I, I have to admit that when you play an ethical thing as a DM, I guess you can kind of have expected results. Like I love the fact that when you guys first were at Hakan's house and the rogues are like, let's go to the back alley. You went to the back alley, but you didn't let them entertain the idea of let's breaking in because yeah. they wanted to break in yeah. immediately and you guys were like no 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 I mean we don't I mean we don't know this person we, we don't know why he wants us there we need information and so I was just like yeah I'm glad you guys did that but you know having was I ready to some extent but that was the challenge with the other group that I started thinking about is that that bad reputation I mean these people are going to know it and they're going to be like, okay, how are they going to treat you? Like, what is going to happen? Yeah. Will it go into a battle? Because the thing is, is, you know, you, there's, if you, if you as players always assume that you're stronger than everybody else, you're, you're in for a real relationship. Yeah. And I mean, how do you play evil when you got it, when, when you encounter good people who know of your reputation? So that, that's an interesting yeah, thing. It is. And a, then it is a again, for, for me as a DM, <laughs> I sit there and think, okay, well, would they know your reputation? How do you guys, how have you guys played and would other people know your reputation? You know, because if they did, if we were it's, evil, it's interesting questions. You know, like, yeah. does Joe Schmo running this shop, <clears throat> has he heard of you guys or have you guys managed to do evil things but do in such a I fashion that we become like Rahim? Yeah. So, so we have a reputation for being people that don't pay, they steal goods from the shop. People see us coming. We have the drow which stands out like a sore thumb. Hmm. Those kinds of things. They don't talk to us on the street. Yeah. And so information's hard to come by. And, no. and if you look at our position now, hmm. the, the, the good and the good and the bad is actually sitting in front of us in terms of Hakan and Henna. Yeah. We have already adopted a position just by walking in in that room. Um, she was bound and he was telling yeah. Daryl's to kill us. So we are already aligned with Henna just simply from that point of view. Yeah. Even though financially, yeah. Not a great deal. And well, you see, here the thing too is for me, what I was thinking about when you play evil, 
you, if you are lawful evil, lawful evil really is, uh, from my point of view, is you do things for yourself, but you're smart enough to, you're smart enough yeah. to realize in order to do that, I mean, you don't consider the things that you do evil. You consider yes. that you, you want to get more advantage for yourself. So you use people. I mean, you're not always on the front. You won't be on the front lines. You'll be at the back lines using people to get to an advantage. So, I mean, if you went, if everybody played lawful evil, would the regular NPCs know that you guys have a bad reputation? Hard to say. Uh, well, you... I think that, I mean, it's, lawful evil is what I'm proposing. Mm-hmm. Because I think that if we were lawful evil, we would always be looking out for ourselves. Yeah. And we'd always be exploiting other people. So yeah. we would take every opportunity. And, we, and you can't you know, lift something from the shop, take something from the beggar, you know, steal something here or there. Eventually, someone will go, hang on a minute, I know who did that. Yeah. In the same way that Rahid is, is he's essentially awful. Yeah. That he has this reputation, he has no he's not friends, no one, by the way. Isn't he? Well, no. But, you know, the thing and, is... Well, he comes across as being... So, and, and here's the thing, like, I, 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 in the other adventure, you guys met Sergeant Mehmet. And yes. when you met Sergeant Mehmet, it was because he was coming into a, a massacre that had happened inside this square. And, you know, after his questioning, I mean, something would happen. Now, you guys weren't even aware. All you knew was that some guy was coming in, the police were coming in, and you guys took off running. And it was through my using Discord that you guys found out a little bit more about who Sergeant Mehmet was. And then later on, you met the Princess Karima. And she was like, look, I'll try to handle things with the police because they're, you're yeah. on their radar. So yeah. that was the only way you guys found out about, okay, shoot, we're on the police's radar. Interesting. It made no, it had no impact on the crew. No, it made no impact. They didn't give a crap. Yeah. But, but in this case, and this is where I had to switch things up because your backstory included Sergeant Mehmet. I was just like, absolutely. hmm, well, I can't have him meet Sergeant Mehmet just yet. So all of a sudden now, I, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. listening to Nine, when Nynaeve was talking. She didn't say Sergeant Mehmet. She said Lieutenant Mehmet. So I've, I've oh, changed things up. No, I didn't up. get that. He's been promoted. So I changed wow. things up oh, of stuff that's oh, been oh, going oh, on oh, because that. you were very clever in your backstory, but because you'd met Sergeant Mehmet when you guys arrived, but that's been six months in front of the storyline. So somewhere in that six months, something has happened with Sergeant Mehmet. And, and I am still trying to figure out how I'm going to exploit my... My connection with Sergeant Mehmet, which is why the idea of reading the police now that we've got these people in the house is is appealing to me. We've well, got, we've got the kidnap, we've got the kidnap and the torture. So now would be a good, and we have the stockings that we haven't used. Yeah. So yeah, now would be a good time to use that. But again, we've got those two rogues that are out there, and no one's been down into the into the into the um, into the cellar yet. Yes, and and you, those, you, those two, that's where they went. I mean, we are, yep. they've headed straight downstairs. It, is, and it, is, it was so funny. In the session, you caught Hakan, you tied him up. And who were the first two? And the two guys, else, they're, they're jumping off of the patio, <laughs> heading towards the trap door. Session. Not just the trap door, oh, they're, they're going for the boxes in the corner. Yeah. Um, they've already lifted the necklace, haven't they? Well, yeah, so... When they went around the first time, they, they looked through one window and it was looking into the kitchen and they noticed that one of the tables in the kitchen was pushed to the side, revealing a trap door. And they went and looked through another window and on the wind, uh, looking through there, they've seen the dining room and dining room was shut up tight and they seen a necklace sitting on the dining table. So that was their point of entry. And of course, uh, one of them makes sure to take the necklace. Yeah. So 
from their point of view, yeah, nobody's going to miss this. <laughs> no, and 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 so there and there could be this issue too. Um, if the two of them go through and clean out everything that's downstairs, which is on the cards because we have no control over them, ringing the police then becomes a case of Hakan has torturing someone. The two rogues have turned the place over and everything's missing. And I'll be standing there going, oh, my God, it's all out of control completely. This completely, well, and, and, and this, which will be this is, what, this is what I really hope. I hope that story-wise, like, I recognize that in the previous session, uh, one character mentioned about leveling, another character mentioned about gold. Yes. So I wanted to be sure in this session that I knew that you guys needed to have, have done something very important storyline-wise before I let you hit the next level. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of this, by by sub- by having Hakan um, uh, surrender and and what you guys accomplished inside the house, I was like, yes, this was enough. You guys have reached yeah. the next level. So I announced that you guys have made it, but you need to do a long rest before you can actually level up. And I made sure at the very beginning of the session that when the temple priestess came back out, they provided you with a, a reward. And it was actually a very significant reward. I, did, I didn't even look at how much that was or what that was. It was 500 gold pieces of gold. So that in itself is, is clearly paid for what it was that we were going to do anyway. Yeah. So so that's a big plus. The other one too, there, there will be the debate. Um, it's a it's a twelve hour rest, isn't it? So no, it's, it, a long rest is by default. It's eight hours. An eight hour rest. We have Hakan tied up. We've got Mistress Sander. We've got Rahi possibly in the dungeon. The two gnomes, sorry, the two elves are, are running amok. Leveling up isn't going to happen. Well, that, that's, and that, that's the thing. And I think that that's going to be entertaining as well. well. I, I love this is that when you are in a, a, an adventure where you're out in the woods, I love having a time element to it. Because to me, I really expected that you guys would have found Rahid in the first day. So if, things, if you guys had progressed things a lot quicker, your finding Rahid would have had been completely different. But you guys decided that, okay, you were at Rahid's place on the wharfs. You're taking a long rest. I mean, you guys wanted your spells, and I was just like, okay, they're taking a long rest. That was a good place to end that one because then I needed to really say, okay, it's the next day. What the heck has happened since then? And so I had to completely come up with, well, time progressed. You know, this person's interested, this person's interested, this is going on, this is going on. So what's happened? And so I, I changed things up. So that's just it. So your long rests and what you do in your long rests. In a city, things move on. Things are happening. And I think that that's, <clears throat> that will be an issue um, next week. I don't think we can afford to take the long rest. The concept of keeping all three um, of the bad guys or all three of the people under control, and which should be four because we've now got the, the um, laundry woman as well. The girlfriend. Munar, Munar is there as well, and she's the girlfriend. And, like, you know, she's the girlfriend if she thinks right, it's the best thing since sliced bread. We all go to sleep. She'll try and free him for sure. So you, you've got all of this hanging around. The, the leveling up is highly unlikely if we're sensible. Well, so and, that's, and, and, that's, 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 and that's, I really hope you guys are thinking about that. I really hope because at the end of the day, okay, what's going to happen if you call the police? What are the consequences here of this scenario? Like, have what what bases have you guys walked across that can you? bring the police in and walk away clean, looking good. We can't. Or our argument, of course, is the, the screaming women from upstairs. We heard it from outside. You know, save me, save me, save me. We walk in. We can spin a story that will work on that quite easily. Particularly but, but, if I mean, Rahid is downstairs and the gem is there. 
And mm. we don't have to solve the problem. The wonderful thing about bringing the police in is that if they came now and if Rahid was downstairs, uh, let's assume that we had Rahid, Muna, the Henna and Hakan in the one room and the police arrive, we can actually say, you go sort out what actually happened. All of them have an argument that they would that they could run against the police. And their only option is, is, is they either prosecute their argument or say, yeah. it's okay, we're all really good friends. Yeah. Whichever way it works out, the, the police certainly aren't going to believe that we're a really good friend scenario. But if without the evidence, they can't do anything. Without one of them raising the complaint, there's not a lot they can do. Uh, by the same token, one of them raises the complaint, the whole of their worlds unravel, and, and we walk out looking heroes. We've uncovered this, this plot. I'm so interested to how that works out. I, I, well, I, I'm excited to see what Calidus is going to be able to do with the other guys and what convinced to see how that is going to play. Calidus, is, Calidus has learned that getting there is... Oh, sorry. Mick's learned that getting there is much more fun than actually winning, and he's highly likely that he's going to let them come up with whatever it is that they come up with and just go with it because well, whatever whatever they do, it will be fun. And, 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 and if Raheem, for example, escapes from the cellar, yeah. takes the gem, the necklace, kills a rogue or two, chucks Mona over his shoulder and hurdles off into the sunset, then Carlos will be going, yeah, didn't see that one coming. Well, and, and the other thing too is, is I, I find it's a, an interesting bit is Morgan's attitudes towards the Knowles, which is so much fun because <laughs> I, I know, you know, their backstory. And Ventus is, is you know, I, I, I had a, a good kick where Ventus is like, Morden, we're not there. It's not like that anymore. <laughs> so the funny thing is, is Hakan is an old, you know, and, and how will Morden handle that situation? He didn't want to walk into the store where the, the, the owner was an old and he's just like, okay, cousin, you go in and you deal with that person. And Ventus is like, Morty, you got to give this up. Yeah. So his racism he wears on his sleeve. Pretty so, much. And, and there's a very specific reason for that that's tied to their backstory. And, and I think, you know, that's interesting because uh, Morton is really, uh, the, the guy who plays Morton is doing a, a, a good job of, you are, know, sticking to it. They are really doing yeah. a great job. Yeah. And I had, a, and I have to admit, like I, I did enjoy when when you guys did get into the battles. Uh, when Asher the Barbarian came in, like he was doing, I, I let him roll with advantage a number of times because he was really going descriptive on what it is that he was doing. Yeah. So it's a I, I love that. that. A shame his rolls, but his rolls were complete crap. <laughs> you got advantage, and you can get a one on damage. Yeah, one. it was just no, like oh, that's just wrong. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Okay. And you can roll that one to the advantage, and he rolls two twos. And I was just like, oh. Yeah, two twos. What was that? And I mean, here you guys are dealing with the bloody water elemental, and you guys need to hit this thing because he's, I mean, he's hit, uh, he's already hit Asher once. He's going to go for Asher again. And Asher goes up to swing, and he gets his stupid battle axe caught on the bloody pillar beside him, and it, you know, yeah. loses the And, and Calidus has walked away from that thinking, those two will be fine. It's not going to be that hard. Yep, and then I'm upstairs going, "Oh damn!" They and haven't well, killed it. Yet. And Elbrom is a warlock, and, and this is the thing. Like he, he caught onto it quick. He he clearly knew that. I reminded, I was like, "Okay, you remember casting it's a spell when you're in melee distance at disadvantage?" Yeah. And and clearly he didn't want to walk away because he didn't want this small elemental to get 
a, a uh, an automatic reaction, uh, a, it, an opportunity attack from him walking away. He, he, was he worried, in, but he was in a position where the elemental was one step away, and he didn't move. Enough. No, he couldn't. He, he was in a no, but the, he was he was melee distance. No, oh, before prior before that, yes, prior to that, he yeah, he didn't passed, get out of the way. He didn't get out of the way. Yeah. and and he he did did know or well. Maybe he didn't know. He said something about what you said, and we forgot what he said. The the water elemental speed had been reduced by 20, I think. So it could only move 10 or something. So he had a perfect opportunity to step back, and he didn't. Yeah, and and I mean, for me, like, playing the water elemental is just like, water elemental goes close ranks. So he goes in close ranks, and, and, you know, I I really was just like, okay, you know, NPC-wise... He, he's not really sure, you know, for, as a water element, you know, magic users, magic users, get rid of the magic users. Yeah. But the freaking warlock isn't seem to be able to do anything. So he changes up and starts going after the barbarian. So, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking about this. So I'm just thinking, okay, what is this guy? What is the, 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 the water element know? Like, he doesn't know that this guy's a magic user because he hasn't seen this guy do magic. He threw a freaking dagger. And that'll be interesting too. Yes. Because, so, you know, one of the things that I do... Uh, you know, after <clears throat> session's done is, you know, in my list, I'm just like, okay, oh, yes, Morden dropped his backpack in order so that he could keep his speed up. All right, let's make well, sure that his backpack up. is unchecked because it's, you know, I, I uncheck it in inventory so that it is, it's yeah. no longer, you know, the pouch, which means the pouch icon means you have it, but it's not equipped. The shirt icon means that you've got it equipped and you're using it. And, the and then the blank one means you, you've dropped it. Yeah. So I go through everybody's and like, who dropped what? Okay, drop, drop, tip. And who did what? So, like, I know that with arrows, it tracks it automatically. And if you throw your daggers, it tracks that automatically. So I just go quickly through and check, okay, if they used up all their arrows, make sure and uncheck in their inventory that they've got more arrows. So that's the one little bit of cleanup I do after the session's done. So it'll be. So is my Vril, has my Vrillstone been unchecked? It's been unchecked. Oh, yes. damn. Okay. Good. So to me, it's just, you know, do the people remember to go and get that? So, like, uh, at some point, if someone's like, I'm going to be using my, my daggers, I'll be like, what daggers? I'm, I'm, this is where I invoke the Alzheimer privilege of us. Yeah. <laughs> so when I forget first up next week, I'm okay. Yeah. And that, I think that's the fun part, too. It's just, I mean, there are little things. And I mean, should a DM be nitpicky about those things? And I mean, in some cases, yes. And I, I like that in Fantasy Grounds, it's really not about you being meticulously on your inventory because Fantasy Ground automates a lot of it. So you don't have to, you know, okay, scratch this out. That was one of the things that a lot of DMs didn't deal with was about what was in a person's inventory because it was tedious to deal with yes. that. But within Fantasy Grounds, it's you, don't sit, you don't have to sit there and constantly calculating Oh, what weight do I got? What weight do I got? Because that was a part that, you know, DMs removed because, oh, drop your backpack. Well, how much weight is that? I I don't know. I've got to do the math, blah, blah, blah. But in fantasy grounds, you just click this off and it's like, oh yeah, I'm underweight now. Cool. So you don't have to do the math there. Fantasy grounds does do that for you. So all you really need to be on top of is, okay, did I drop something? And from a DM point of view, there is the, there's nitpicky and then there's the entertainment value. Yeah. The, the I, I think it's like it's entertaining you've dropped yeah. something and it's like if it's still there you go back and get it mm. and if it's not there well you've lost it if I if I drop the 
if I don't get the real stone back, mm. um, that will be entertaining. The reaction of the other players to that kind of mistake will be hilariously funny. And if you drop your backpack, I think most DMs would say, yeah, yeah, yeah it's all right. You did remember to pick it up, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's, it's, I think it only becomes an issue where the item that you've dropped is something that, you know, is going to have a critical impact on the game. And it's also understanding what it is that you drop. I dropped my battle axe in the last game. It was damaged. It's, yeah. yeah. So no need to go back and get that one. Well, that was so one of the things too, that, you know, in cleanup that I, I wanted to do is like, you had that scimitar and it was plated in silver. Something. And as you were attacking, or no, your battle axe, that's right. You, you went yeah. to swing your battle axe against a stone door yeah. and you chipped the crap out of it. So yeah. at the end of that session, I, I, I made sure and I put in the description of your battle axe that it was uh, chipped up or whatever, whatever yeah. I did. So at some point you're like, ah, screw it. You just toss it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that that's good. Cause like for me, I like that within Fantasy Grounds as a DM, like I don't have to be on top of your guys' inventory, but it, I do can just go in and quickly see, oh, yeah. But you, you, also can, you also make the comment every time someone does that, and, and you've done that consistently, and that is that you say, just make sure you uncheck your the item in, in, yeah. in your inventory. Yeah. And, and really, from, from the whole game point of view, that's all that you should need to do. The yep. players should be able to go, yeah, fine, uncheck it, that's it. And I, I do rely on, on you guys to try to be to be honest in some yeah. cases. Like, like for example, if someone used up their daggers and then my going and unchecking the daggers is just a bit of cleanup. And I, I do want to make sure that, you know, okay, from a point of view, I mean, you, you got to do remember some of these things and to try to make the players a little bit more accountable for, for you know, what goes on. I think that, that there's value in doing that in terms of, of that whole suspension of belief, like really, you know, okay, instead of, ah, oh, come on, man, like, you're going to let that go. I mean, well, yes, yes. I, I will, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to be nitpicky from the point of view of every single dime, but I mean, to make the balance fair. And this yeah. is one thing in Fantasy Grounds that uh, I guess I, I still would like to see changed is I know that they've added now so that if you do the killing stroke on a car uh, on a, uh, an NPC, they're unconscious. Just like if they hit you, you are unconscious, so you've got to do your death saves. The NPC has got to do their death saves. And if someone, while you're unconscious, if someone strikes you, it's it's a critical hit and it's two death saves that have failed. And the exact same with the NPC yeah. now. And I thought, great. The one thing that I, I want with the NPCs as well is that if they, you know, if they're using their arrows and throwing spears, that's a lot of extra work I've got to do on my side because it, it's not like your guys' interface where it does a little check, you've used these things. I've got, actually got to go in there and like, ah, crap, he's used already two spears, so he's only got three left. And i got to stay on top of that, and I, I want yeah. the interface to take care of that because yeah. he survived. He surrendered. Uh, so the things he's used is not there. And if, if the interface doesn't take care of it, guarantee I'm going to forget, and, and next time around... Ah, he's also he's got five spears again. Yeah. So that's a little it, bit of something. Yeah, and and it shouldn't be that hard. I mean, you know, you're either friend or an enemy, and well, and, and that's the thing, you know, like um, if you want the NPCs to to live, and you're playing them up instead of just they fight you until they're dead. And I mean, that was the thing with the other game that we played was when the other guy was DMing, you fought until they were dead, 
And so as a DM, you didn't care uh, about what these other, you know. And, and it does also mean that given that they've got the three desk loads, it does mean that the opportunity to capture becomes viable now. Yeah. Once they're down, you just got to save them. Yeah. And then you can so interrogate them. I, I think that's the, the beauty of the fantasy grounds, really, in my point of view, is that it tracks a lot of that stuff. So your paperwork is reduced as a player and as a DM. So that, again, whether it's the player or DM, you focus on the story. And for yeah. me, now it's like everything you said is all things that I, I ought to be okay. Yeah. What happens if they do bring the police in? So I can think about that instead of, oh, man, do they have this or does that have that? Okay. I think that's time to close it. Yep. Good review. Until next week. <laughs>